Grace? What does that even mean? On this episode of the Knowing God Podcast. everybody. My name is John Frawley. And I am Caleb Rowland. Welcome to another episode of Knowing God. We are grateful that you are joining us. And yes, we meant to say, Grace, what is your means of grace? What does that mean? So we're talking about a, a very interesting topic that may sound a little highfalutin, honestly, because we don't but. talk like this, but it is something that we should talk a lot about. It's the means of grace, meaning that what are the things that we get out of church where God displays his grace towards us through just ordinary things of what it means to be involved in a local church. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as we get into this conversation, I think we're going to come into some distinctions because if you grew up in a Roman Catholic background, you're right, you probably have a very different understanding of what this actually means, <laughs> but what this actually means versus what we're talking about specifically. And so uh, in some ways we kind of connect it to, um, what, you know, why do we need the church? Like what, right. what does it mean to, whenever we talked about uh, being a member of the church on a previous episode and we we talked about the value of membership. Um, these are some of the things specifically that are imparted to believers because of their participation in the church, right? That's right. Yeah. And so I think let's start there uh, uh, with the difference between a Protestant understanding of the means of grace and a Roman Catholic perspective of the means of grace. Mm -hmm. So if you have any Roman Catholic friends, uh, there's a, a reason why that they go to mass regularly, you know, once a week would be normative. You know, some people go more regularly than that. Um, and so Roman Catholics believe in seven sacraments and sacraments is a means in which the church is utilized to give you grace. Mm -hmm. So the church almost becomes kind of like a big pipe. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of the way to think of this. And the sacraments are the means of how that grace like flows into the believer. So some of these are obvious, taking the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. The Eucharist is what it's called in the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Baptism, um, there, there are seven. Let's see if I can remember all of them. There's, you know, First Communion. Um, there's penance, uh, going in front of a priest and being absolved of your sins. Um, help me out, Caleb. Uh, marriage is a sacrament. Marriage is a sacrament. Uh, there's the, uh, I know it's not called last rites, but that's basically yeah. what it is. It's uh, And then um, there is... Confer uh, there's confirmation. confirmation. <laughs> Thank yep. you. Is Baptism. That yep. we, we should get that one too. Yes, we should. Yeah, I'm losing count. I don't uh, know. And then the, la <laughs> the last one's actually uh, strictly for priests, right. where the Catholic Church ordains priests, and that as a mm -hmm. means of grace to the priest, through which the priest then brings grace to the church. Correct. So you can kind of think of it as this big pipeline that basically because of Christ's death, there's a giant bubble that is okay. just full of merit, of Christ's infinite merit. It's kind of like this inexhaustible pool of merit. And then, like you said, it's kind of a pipeline, right? And there's a pipeline mm -hmm. and the pipeline goes down into the church. And then through the uh, the priests and the bishops and all of the different systems within the church, then they can be imparted to believers through these different sacraments, right? So whenever mm -hmm. a priest gives you uh, the Eucharist, then you are receiving some of that grace. Whenever you receive baptism, you are receiving some of that grace from Christ's storehouse. Yep. So in the Protestant tradition, you know, a traditional understanding of this would be that, hey, a means of grace would be the preached word mm -hmm. and the uh, what we might call sacraments or ordinances mm -hmm. limited only to the Lord's Supper and baptism. Right. Absolutely. And so it's might be weird for us as individualistic, you know, 
humans, especially in an American context, to think that we actually need the church for part of our relationship with God, right? We all like to think that, well, we have a personal relationship mm-hmm. with God, and that's all that that's all that we need. That's all that we need. The church is kind of extra. It's icing on the top of the cake. But I can just come over here and have my own relationship with God and be perfectly fine and have everything I need in that, um, you know, singular, insulary relationship that we have. Uh, but I have to ask the question for all of you out there. Did anybody baptize yourself? Hmm. Like, no, we don't like do a cannonball into the pool, right? <laughs> the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, ah! you know, and like, <laughs> but part of being baptized and part of that whole process is that there's somebody who is doing the baptizing. Mm-hmm. There are uh, witnesses there who are affirming the baptism. And that is part of the beauty and the picture that mm-hmm. we get in scripture of baptism. And that is, you know, taking place most notably and most properly within the church, mm-hmm. right? With, with that happening. So whenever we look at these things, we realize that we do need other people in our lives. Yes, our, uh, ultimately, uh, if you're stranded on a desert island and it's just you and you have a Bible and you pray and the Word of God, but that's not normative. The Mm. normative uh, expression of our Christian life is lived out within the church. And then just kind of draw that distinction, Mm -hmm. you know, back to the Roman Catholic view. The Roman Catholics would say that, no, this is the way that the grace of God in a saving faith, saving grace, would be given to the believer through the church. It becomes that pipeline. In a Protestant perspective, we would say or do say that Mm -hmm. the, the grace of God is given Without any kind of mediation, it's given mm-hmm. by God directly to the believer mm-hmm. uh, on the basis of faith, on Correct. the basis of Christ alone. And so when we when we talk about the means of grace, we're not talking about grace for salvation. Correct. It's it, like what you just said. It is really reciprocal benefits mm-hmm. that we receive from being with one another in the context of community in the local church where God bestows his good grace to us, not in a saving way, mm-hmm. but it just in a very practical benefit kind of way to us in the church. Absolutely. And so as we've gone through, we've already talked about a few of the different means of grace uh, that mm-hmm. we see practiced in the church. So again, the teaching of scripture, that is a means of grace, especially if you have the benefit of, you know, we're so blessed with Pastor John here who has spent uh, multiple Thank years you. in, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> multiple years in seminary being trained in original biblical languages, in uh, homiletics and all of these different things so that whenever he gets up there on a Sunday morning, he is able to preach the word of God in a unique way uh, that is beneficial for people in a way where, honestly, most people, I mean, if you're a CPA, you probably don't have time to go back and get your doctorate in ministry, like to write a dissertation, you know, to go through and do all these different things that uh, um, a pastor who has dedicated their lives to be able to do. And so whenever you come to a church and you sit under the teaching of a pastor of the teaching of the word of God, there is a special means of grace Mm -hmm. that uh, you are able to, uh, to drink deeply of things that you might not have got just in your normal devotional Bible reading. And I think it's okay to expand that beyond the pastor. Absolutely. You know, you think about small groups, think about, you know, go to a community group, Sunday school mm-hmm. class. Even um, in a discipleship setting where yeah. you might be with an older believer who, yeah. you know, has walked a lot of years and has mm-hmm. a lot of life experience to impart to you in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So receiving that teaching uh, in various ways, various, various, various ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's like fourth theory. <laughs> that is a word. We coined it. <laughs> um, you heard it here first. <laughs> Uh, we're not editing that. No, so we're, <laughs> we don't edit these. Keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's so many different ways that we can receive teaching, whether mm-hmm. it be even through a podcast, right. you know, uh, like this. 
uh, of, of pastors or trained people that are bringing the Word of God. So, And then we also talked about the sacraments, the Lord's Supper, baptism, mm-hmm. again, very practical things. Um, another way, though, that we can receive grace in a church, a tangible benefit, mm-hmm. is prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we all pray individually, but also praying together with a group of faithful brothers and sisters on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of different prayer groups that meet here in the church. Mm-hmm. That's a means of grace. It is. It is. And I think we feel that. Most of us, whenever we have a prayer need, um, we reach out to people, right? That's right. Whenever there's something that mm-hmm. is maybe really heavy or burdensome or or just something that's deeply on our heart, and maybe we're praying for salvation of a family member or somebody is sick and in the hospital or you have a crisis that comes up in life, uh, most our natural instinct is to reach out, right? To reach yeah. out to others for prayer. And again, it's not just for individual prayer, but we reach out to others because we believe that there is um, just that support and that uh, special grace that happens whenever yeah. there's a group of people praying in unity as opposed to whenever we're praying by ourselves. And this, we feel like this just gets so practical. You does. know, you think about uh, if you've been part of a very meaningful prayer time, I mean, you always feel differently afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a weight's lifted off of your shoulders. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here um, as a means of grace, that God uses the community of faithful brothers and sisters and through the prayers of righteous men and women that there's a sense of release mm-hmm. as we place our trust corporately in the providential will of God. You just feel differently. You do. You feel better. You do. And I think we could say the same for worship, right? Which is right. An, another thing that we could look at there is that it's the same thing that you can put on a CD or maybe you're musically talented and so you can play piano or, or the guitar or the, or the you know, the sitar. I don't know, whatever you're playing over there, right? I mean, that you can play those things. And you can You could play the guitar too, you know, <laughs> get some 80s worship going. Love it, Sandy Patty. But whenever you get into that, you could uh, worship by yourself in your living room in a lot of different ways, right? But whenever you come together with the congregation, Congregation, and yeah. there's the voice of the congregation supporting that worship that's going on. It's different. It it's is. different than listening to a uh, a you know MP3 in your car or a CD in your living room or a record in your study because you're probably you know have many leather bound books and mahogany. Of if course. you're listening to records, still. you're a big deal. But of course, absolutely. But <laughs> there's something different whenever you come in the congregation and you sing together with one voice. That's right. Yeah, and and you know you think about the way that can happen. Just music, Mm -hmm. you know, in general is very, very powerful. It's why people are so, you know, kind of passionate about music Mm -hmm. because it is so important to the way we understand what it means to gather. And there is something very beautiful about a congregation coming together, singing a song together. And one of the things I love that our, our musicians do, you being one of them, is when you drop the, mus- the mm-hmm. musical instruments and you're left only to hear the congregational voice as well as the leaders up front, that is a means of grace. Mm-hmm. You know, that is drawing me into an understanding, a better understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what Christ has done for me, and worshiping God because of that. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. It is. Um, so the next one, and this one is maybe weird for some people, giving. Yeah. And, and that's already, like, as soon as you talk about giving in church, there's going to be people who are like, what? Nope, yep. I don't want to talk about that, you know. But as we talk about giving, giving is a means of grace, especially when you're talking about the local church. So, I mean, um, who, I think we can understand this in this way and to say that uh, we all have limited resources. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have, you know, maybe your resources have a much higher limit than other people's. I mean, but we all have limited resources. And so um, maybe I have $5 that I say, I have $5 that's like all that I have, and I want to put that to work for the kingdom. Well, I can do a little bit with $5. But if I take my $5 and your $5 and the $100 of this person and the $200 of that person and we put them together, then we can do real 
impactful work mm -hmm. that wouldn't be accomplished by just one person in five dollars. Yeah, and think about too, like one of the things Jesus talked a lot about, of course, was money. Mm -hmm. You know, they say that yes. he talked more about money than any other subject. Correct. And the reason why is because we handle it so often in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, and and um, you know, right now with inflation being what it yeah. is, that's the key buzzword that a lot of people are talking about. And uh, and this is something that impacts us. It is. And, and so there's a lot of pastors that shy away from talking about money. But I think one of the best things that we can do as pastors is to talk about this mm -hmm. and to say, yes, we need to handle money, but we need to handle it God's way. Mm -hmm. We need to handle it rightly. And we need to be able to release of our resources mm -hmm. and trusting God that he will take care of our needs mm -hmm. while at the same time releasing resources that would empower the mission of a local church or a ministry or whatever it right. might be forward for the purpose of the glor of glorifying God Absolutely. and the gospel. And so what that does is you know, I always tell people, you know, they say, ah, I just don't really have a heart for foreign missions. I say, mm -hmm. well, are you giving to it? I mean, really? Right. That they're in line. Is is the tangible benefit of if I give and finance global missions, I become a whole lot more invested personally, and I care a lot more. Probably my prayer life is impacted. The mm -hmm. way I understand church in the context of us pooling those resources together, that is a means of grace. Absolutely, and we understand that in a secular sense because I mean, you might never care at all about a specific company, but if you add that company to your portfolio. Mm. You're going to start caring a lot more about what's going on in that company, right? You're going yeah. to start saying, oh, well, now I actually care about this because there's there's investment mm. that is happening there. And the same thing is true with our investment. And I, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that you never truly have a man until you have him by the wallet. Oh, wow. right. And, yeah. and I mean, and that's not saying that, hey, we exist, you know, for the money. But that is saying that um, money is part of uh, what we do in life, yeah. right? I mean, and, and God talks about where our uh treasure is there our heart will be mm. so where is our treasure at and if our treasure is all about looking out for number one and taking care of ourselves and doing this then that is that means that there's a spiritual deficit there in some ways because yeah. we're not trusting god we're making ourselves out to be provider and not god and so whenever we are able to give and and promote giving and come together as a congregation and say we're all going to give for this work that the lord has then we really experience those uh different types of of benefits that uh that joy that only comes from seeing God's work um, going out throughout the world. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, another one is evangelism, mm. you know, and kind of thinking of evangelism, corporate evangelism as right. a means of grace. Um, so, yeah, you have any thoughts on that one? I have a lot of thoughts on that one. <laughs> evangelism is evangelism, good. <laughs> evangelism is very good. And um, I think that even just the church body itself is such a great way of evangelism. So just, uh, you know, we're getting ready to plant a church, and so mm. much of what we're doing is uh, around our dinner table. It's just yeah. around the table. We're, we're meeting with people. We're doing that. But there's something about whenever uh, those people who maybe you've made friends with, maybe they're far from God, they've come to your house, and then now all of a sudden um, they come into a group. And maybe they came from a group of five to a group of 20. Mm. And they're experiencing, hey, it's not just these weird people who live down the block from us, mm -hmm. but there's a whole bunch of people who actually believe this and actually live this way. And um, because of that, they are uh, have their affections stirred. They come towards Christ. They mm -hmm. want to come into relationship with him. I think another thing that happens, too, with evangelism is you have this celebration mm -hmm. that happens in the body when somebody comes to faith in Christ. And if that happens only on an individual basis, you, you know, you don't get that kind of celebration. But, you know, we just went through Luke chapter 15, the mm -hmm. parable of the prodigal son. And what you have is it, with three parables that Jesus tells there, the, the common theme is that that which was lost is found and there's celebration. Correct. And 
Uh, and so, you know, you have the sheep and the lost coin specifically mm-hmm. there before the parable of the prodigal son. And when somebody comes to faith in Christ, the whole body can rejoice. Right. And it should. And, and that's one of the beautiful things about baptism. You know, I always say that, that that's so encouraging when you do your church plant and you are bringing people in and their lives are touched by the word of God and the gospel and they make this public profession of faith and baptism. That is a reason for celebration. Is, absolutely. And that will be the first day you guys do baptisms will be so incredibly sweet. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so uh, we're going to wrap up there with this episode. But all of this to say is that um, the church needs you. You need the church. And God has unique and beautiful ways, both in your personal life and in the corporate worship of the church, to show you his goodness, to make his glory more real to you, and to help you be formed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And we hope you don't miss out on any of those and you take church membership and your participation in the church very seriously. And so we'll see you next time. We love you guys on the Knowing God podcast. Bye.